Our next guest is one of many experts who say Canada's plan to increase immigration may ease some pressures in the labor market, but bigger changes are needed to ensure new permanent residents are matched with the jobs that most need filling. A pleasure to say good morning and welcome to our guest, Professor Naomi Albuim, a senior policy fellow in immigration at Toronto Metropolitan University and former deputy minister of immigration for the province of Ontario. Professor Albuim, Naomi, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you along with us. The uh, The immigration uh, file has certainly expanded in recent years. There seems to be a tremendous push to increase our numbers up to and beyond a half a million per year uh, in the next very short term. What's your, your, your comment in general terms, Naomi, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of it all, of the kind of targets that are being set? Um, I, I think we really have to look beyond the numbers, and um, the numbers are uh, not as important, I think, as who is selected, where they go, and what they end up doing once they arrive. Um, I think that there, <clears throat> excuse me, it's clear that there are labor and skill shortages, sure. particularly in certain sectors and certain regions, and immigration is clearly an important tool to address them, but not the only tool. Right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the fact that uh, the there it's about you say you were quoted in, in, in the press the other day. It's clear there are real gaps, real demands and real needs. And then you go on to talk about how they're not necessarily all on the same page at the same time. So let's talk about connecting a few of those dots, please. Well, first of all, Canada's um, federal economic immigration program is really geared to people with very high human capital. And that's great because we need those folks, but we don't, we have to make sure that they can actually apply their skills and their expertise that they're coming into the country with. And we are still not really doing as good a job as we should be, and many of them become underemployed, and we don't benefit, and they don't benefit from the skills that they're bringing with them. That's number one. Okay. Number two, I think that our labor market needs um, are not just at the high end. That's an important piece, but that's not where all our needs are. And there's a continuum in our labor market and our federal economic programs that bring in permanent residents really only look at the high end. We have real needs for lower-skilled jobs as well. And what has now happened is that those lower-skilled jobs, even though they are continuing need. They're not temporary jobs. We're be- we've become totally dependent on temporary foreign workers yes. to fill those lower-skilled jobs without giving them real access to permanency. So we have, uh, they are in precarious positions, and we are not getting people who can work long-term um, in those positions because they're here only temporarily, and some of them, unfortunately, are here permanently temporarily yes. because there isn't a way for them to, to transition to permanent residence, even though we need them. Now, you talk about uh, um, changing those rules for permanent residency, rather, so those temporary foreign workers aren't uh, per- perpetually on thin ice uh, and have an opportunity to open the door wider and stick around and become a citizen and all of that sort of thing. What is the most important rule change that has to happen first? 
Well, I think we have to look at what our needs are in terms of continuing um, gaps, and we should not be using temporary foreign workers to fill those continuing gaps. We should be looking at a whole variety of things on the immigration front. If there really is a need for people to fill those jobs on an ongoing basis, we should be offering them permanent residence and making it possible for them transition from temporary status to permanent status. But there's also the need for employers to look at why they are so dependent on temporary foreign mm-hmm. workers. And there are there things that they can be doing in terms of their wages, their compensation, their working conditions, training, um, uh, allowing people to enter the workforce who perhaps are underrepresented in the workforce. Are there things that employers should be doing in terms of automation to increase our productivity? They're all, should they be working more closely with the post-secondary education sector to ensure that some of the training programs or some of the educational programs that are provided are preparing people for the labor market shortages that we have. There are a myriad of things that need to be done in concert rather than looking just at bringing in many, many people in precarious status um, to do the jobs that we need. One of the things you've mentioned already is uh, our penchant for uh, preferring uh, people with highly developed skill sets and so on. And yet, as the pandemic has reminded us in spades, Naomi, uh, our ability to take in those people with skills and credentialed skills uh, and adapt them or um, modify them or include them rather in the Canadian labor force is lacking. Now, because of the pandemic, we've seen some effort, the Ford government, Ontario, to a certain extent being part of it in terms of increasing or escalating the acceptance and uh, inclusion of these skilled um, healthcare professionals most specifically. Uh, But there's an effort on underway, at least, to improve that. Do you see any significant improvements, or is this just political facade stuff? Well, you know, I I have been involved in the whole issue of the recognition of professional qualifications since 1986. Okay. And I am not exaggerating. I believe you. Um, And it has been a uh, long and difficult process. The number of people who have been underemployed and not able to use their skills is just a tragedy for all of us. Yes. Um, So I do think that finally, you know, there's nothing like a crisis to um, make people sit up and and think a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that COVID has, in fact, played a very important role in getting provinces in particular to think of because they're responsible for this. They have delegated a lot of the responsibility to professional regulatory bodies. Mm -hmm. It is provincial jurisdiction. And provinces are beginning to really look at this very seriously. And there are some interesting and really valuable um, pilots and uh, programs put into place now for nurses, for doctors who are foreign trained, who have the skills, we need them desperately to provide them with the opportunity either for conditional licenses while they work under supervision or for um, more um, residencies for uh, doctors or um, more training programs for bridging programs just to fill that little gap that people may need to get 
some of the, you know, Canadian legislation that they need to know or whatever under their belt so they can pass their exams. So there are a variety of initiatives underway now, and I really hope that they become not just transitory kinds of things, Mm -hmm. but really embedded in the systems. We have a similar problem with tradespeople. We need tradespeople desperately. But the recognition of um, tradespeople's skills is woefully inadequate now, and we really need to figure out how to put all the carpenters to work that are coming to the country or you know, other people with other skills where people are retiring. We need houses to be built, and we don't have people in the construction sector because we don't have the tradespeople. Interesting you mentioned housing because I wanted to ask you about that responding to um, some of the criticism of these escalated immigration numbers, these new targets established by Ottawa. Some people are looking at it and going, and we have a housing crisis in case anyone hasn't noticed, and bringing in a half a million immigrants a year is just going to add incredible pressure to our existing housing prices. It's almost counterproductive. What do you say about okay, that? So, so th- th- this is a really interesting question because I don't think that people understand how many temporary foreign workers and international students are already here Good in point. the country yep. who could potentially transition to fill some of those 500,000 um, uh, permanent residency positions. We accept over a million per year temporary foreign workers and international students who are already here in Canada. They're already living here. They're already, many of them, working here in terms of, you know, both certainly temporary foreign workers, but most international students are already working here as well. They are housed. They are using the infrastructure that we have Mm -hmm. already. And this is a really important point. Of the permanent residents that were so-called landed here in Canada, in the past few years, over 60% of them have been people who are already here in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about 500,000 new people coming from abroad to Canada competing for spaces. We're talking about many of them already here, already housed, already accessing our health system, etc., who will be transitioning to permanent residency. Thank you At very much. That's what I really hope. Yeah, and it's an important point to speak to, and I'm glad I was able to raise it in, in the time constraints we're dealing with this morning, Naomi, because it's terribly important that the facts be what they are, and then the opinions flow from that. At least what those are the facts on the table. And thank you for that. Okay.